0: Reading today from Colossians chapter 3, the first 17 verses. So if you've got that and you want to follow along, Colossians 3. If not, listen up for this passage. Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wanted to ask you whether you have ever had what might be called a wardrobe malfunction. Maybe you got the dress code wrong, everyone else was dressed one way and then you were dressed another way. Maybe these things are too um dangerous to talk about openly in church. Maybe it's going to open a wound that we don't really want to but I can only remember I used to play a lot of rugby when I was young and so there quite often be these like presentation evenings and for some reason rugby was always quite smart so it would always be shirt and tie uh, at these kind of events. You'd go and you'd be presented with a cup or a trophy or a shirt and on this occasion I think we were playing for our borough, not the normal team but we were like playing in a you know, for a slightly bigger group and they were presenting us with the shirt that we were then going to play in the next weekend. So I was thinking, oh, I've got this presentation evening thing going up, but it's always smart, right? These things are always smart. So I went along in shirt and tie, like we always did, and walked into the room only to find everyone else was there in like shorts and t-shirt. And you know that feeling when you're like, you feel so out of place. I like pulled the tie off really quickly, tried to like unbutton the shirt to make it look a bit more relaxed, but you really couldn't when you're in like black smart shoes and everyone's in flip flops. For some reason, everyone else had got the memo, I hadn't. And so I was desperately trying to convince one of my friends to lend me his like hoodie jacket. So at least I could put that on over the top and feel a little bit more relaxed. He wouldn't, um, because I think he found it hilarious that I was so out of place. Um, I also remember a time uh, when you know that point at which your parents stop buying your clothes for you and you start buying them for yourself that kind of awkward transition point maybe like mid-teens I've got quite wide feet and so buying school shoes was always a bit problematic Um, and I remember buying them probably too quickly in hindsight once and just picking these first pair of shoes that um, seemed to fit but because my feet were so wide what i did was bought them about two sizes too big just so they were wide enough uh, to fit my feet in but it meant there was probably about i don't know three or four centimeters at the front where my toe just wasn't you know they were like really long because they were way too big and then when they got wet they would kind of curl up and so they looked almost like jester's kind of shoes i remember one of my teachers was like your feet must really hurt and i was like my toes are nowhere near the end Um, Awkward moments, wardrobe malfunctions. Why do I tell you that? Because in the middle of this passage, um, we get this imagery of clothing that's used to denote these two ways of life. Paul in this letter goes on to say, there's kind of these two outfits you might wear. There are two sets of clothing that you might put on. And I know that awkward feeling, and I'm sure lots of you do too, of wearing the wrong outfit, of being in the wrong clothes, and being in the wrong attire. And what Paul's saying is there's two ways to live here, and he denotes them as being like outfits, like clothing. And so what we're going to do is explore them with each other now. Because we're going to draw out these two outfits, if you like, that have come from our passage. And we're going to describe what they might be from what Paul has said to us in Colossians. We're going to have to keep burning around to see how it's going. But what we're gonna do is, as those continue to be drawn, we're gonna talk about these two outfits, these two bits of clothing, if you like, that Paul lays out. Outfit one, which we'll put on the left when it gets to it, begins in verse five of our passage. What we'll do is, once we've drawn the outline, we'll write these things over the top. They're looking great, well done. It's very detailed, my art is so bad. It would have been really bad if I had to do this. So I'm really glad that we've got some far more artistic people than me. Smashed it, Zach. Well done. Stay there for a minute because we're going to get you to write write some things over the top um, in a second. But Paul says from verse 5 it's almost like there's one outfit which is full of all this kind of stuff. He says sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. That's outfit number one. Outfit number two begins in verse 12. And Paul says this outfit is compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving as we've been forgiven, love which binds it all together, and peace. Wonderful. Should we give a round of applause to everyone who's involved? You can take your seats now. We've drawn this all out so beautifully. So Paul says there are two kinds of outfits. And obviously he says to put one on and to take one off. That's all oh, perfect. Thank you so much. Very kind. Paul says there are these two kinds of outfits. And have a look at them now. Outfit number one on the left, if you like, and outfit number two on the right. If I was to ask you, if you could pick one of those to wear, if your life could, could bear one of those outfits, I'm almost certain that all of you would pick the one on the right. Yeah? And I'm almost certain, even more almost certain, that you would want everyone else around you to pick the one on the right. Your friends, your family, your colleagues. You'd want people to treat you with kindness and patience. Not with anger and rage and malice, wouldn't you? And so in one sense, I could just end the talk there, right? Paul says, there's these two kind of outfits, put this one on, take that one off. But the reality for all of us is, even though we want to put the one on the right on, that's not always the case, right? We want to be compassionate, but sometimes we wake up and we have a really uncompassionate kind of a day. We want to be kind, but we end up getting really angry with other people. All of us want to put outfit number two on if you like, but a lot of the time we seem to get stuck in outfit number one. We dived into the middle of our passage where Paul sets out almost these two ways of living using this analogy of clothing. But I think to help us understand how we might actually get rooted in this stuff, we need to go back to verse one. Verse one of this passage says, since then, and remember that Paul is writing this to Christians, People that already know Jesus, to the church at Colossae. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now, let's stop there for a moment. Everything that Paul goes on to say about putting off outfit number one, about putting on outfit number two, everything is built on this foundation of us being raised with Christ. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That means that nothing that he says... None of this stuff and anything that comes after it will make any sense if we don't know that we, as Christians, are united with Jesus. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. What does he mean by that? Well, He he means that we're united with Christ in his death, when our old nature, our old way of living, our outfit one kind of life. It's nailed to the cross with Jesus. It's dead and buried. As we put our faith in him, we symbolise it and enact it with baptism where we go down into the water to die to that old way of living, that we might rise with Jesus to a new way of living out of it too. Full of his Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of each of us. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. We united with him in his death to our old nature so that we can be united with him in his resurrection to his new nature if you've been following along with our bible reading through the new testament this year we have just got into romans and a couple of days ago we were in romans chapter 6 and a verse or two is going to come up on the screen for us to read which helps us to think through this really well romans 6 beginning at verse 3 says don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul's saying, he wrote this letter as well, that when we come to Jesus and put our faith in him, we die. Now, it doesn't mean we physically die. We don't go onto a cross. But our old way of living, all that stuff that's listed on the left, dies with Jesus. Our old nature, our sinful nature, life apart from Jesus, all of that stuff dies. It goes onto the cross and it's dealt with forevermore. But it doesn't end with death because we know that two days later, on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus was raised to new life. So just as we died with him in baptism, by putting our faith in him, we rise to new life with him. So all of this stuff on the right and so, so much more can come to be true in our lives. Back to Colossians, verse 2 says, set your minds on things above. Paul starts this section by saying, since you've been raised with Christ, remember that you're united with him. Set your minds on things above. Fix your attention, your daydreaming on heavenly things, on the kingdom, on God's glory. Don't get preoccupied with earth and what's going on around you. Set your minds on things above. And then verse three, he reiterates what he said before. For you died, your old nature died, And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When you became a Christian, and if you haven't done that yet, there'll be a chance even to say yes to Jesus as we gather today. When you became a Christian, you rose to new life with Christ, having shared that old way of living. Jesus' life then becomes your life. His spirit becomes your spirit. His father becomes your father. You are with Christ in God, not separated from Christ, apart from God. Paul starts this passage by reminding people who they really are, what is really true of them. And then he goes on to say, put to death the old stuff that we've listed on the left and take up this new way of living. And I think the order there is really significant. Paul didn't come in with, here's a load of things to do, here's a load of things not to do off you go because Paul knew that he himself and everyone who tried to follow Jesus willpower alone wasn't going to be enough we can't will ourselves to change we might want to be more compassionate or kind or humble more generous and we might get a little way along the track just by deciding that by trying to be that ourselves but we all know that we've tried to do things and they've never come off We all know that we've tried to become all those things so many times before, and it might have worked for a day, but it didn't work for much longer. Paul says, if you want to be this, start by remembering that you are united with Jesus. Because it's when you're united with him, you're planted in him, you're drawing from his resources. That's when change is possible. That's when transformation is really possible. That's when we can really put to death this old way of life and rise to newness of life with him. Don't try and do this in your own strength. Don't try and pick your outfit out by willpower alone, scrubbing yourself up to try and make yourself look better. Do it knowing that your old nature is dead, dead on the cross with Jesus, and your new nature has risen to life with him. Again, in verse 12, notice the order in which things happen. As he's starting to lay out this new nature. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and all the stuff we've already listed. He doesn't just say, here's a new to-do list. Be all these things. Off you go. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, go on to put on all this stuff. It's like it gives you another reminder of who you really are. Who do you belong to? God. What are you fundamentally like? You're chosen by him and you're holy, cleaned up, set apart for his purposes. And what is God's heart towards you, dearly loved? Once you get all that in place as a foundation, the rest of the stuff will just start to flow. But trying to build on top without that foundation will always lead you to ruin. When you come to Christ, the root of all the old nature, outfit one, is cut. There's no sustenance to it anymore. There's no life in it, even though the shoots above ground might persist for a little while. Sometimes we can be so familiar with our old way of living that we rush back to it. We like how that feels. It feels more comfortable, even though we know it's not for our good. The root has been cut. Your old nature is dead. If you're united with Christ, cut off that stuff, take off that clothing and live instead into your new identity. Know who you belong. Know who you are. Know who you belong to. Know what is ultimately true of you, and that old nature will wither away. And as you live with Christ, abiding in him, drawing from his strength, living with his spirit, all of this stuff will grow really naturally in you. I think for so many people, Christianity comes across as a long list of don't do this and do do this. And there is some of that. There is put off the old nature, take up the new nature. But without the foundation of knowing that we're united with Christ, Without the knowledge that we're chosen, holy and dearly loved, it just looks like a to-do list that you're never going to get through. It looks like a task that's too difficult for anyone to achieve, a mountain that's too high to climb. But when you start with knowing who you are, united with Christ, given a new nature, full of the same Spirit that raised him from the dead, all of this stuff becomes more and more possible, as day by day we walk with Jesus, to look more and more like him. All of us would say that we want outfit too. All of us would say we want everyone else to have outfit too. So if you know Jesus today, you'd call yourself a follower of his. Spend some time today, this week, reminding yourself of what's true. Wake up and read those first sections of these passages. I am risen with Christ. My old nature is gone and my new nature is growing to the glory of God. I am chosen and dearly loved. This isn't arrogant. This is true, right? This is who you are and living from that foundation will see you prosper. Maybe today you need to repent of any lies that you believe, that you're anything other than all of those things. You need to repent of the consequences that might have had. Pray that you become more and more comfortable in this new clothing, so that you know what it is to live with Jesus. You know what it is to wear that clothing, to put him on display for the rest of the world to see. And maybe if you don't know Jesus today, you're not sure whether you're a follower of his, but you want to be. All of this stuff is like an offer on the table for you. Do you want to be united with God? Because the first thing that sin does is it separates us from God. It puts distance between us and our Heavenly Father who loves us and wants the best for us. By putting our faith in Jesus, by getting united with him in baptism, all of this can be true of you. Your old nature can die. Your new nature can rise. And all it takes is a moment of prayer for you to come and place your trust in him. Before I leave you in that, I just want to deal briefly with the very final verse. One of the questions that often gets asked of me as a pastor, as a Christian leader, is what does God really want me to do? It's one of those questions that everyone has at some point. What's my purpose? What's God's plan for me? What's his best for me? What does God want me to do? And I can remember being about 18 or 19, away at a Christian camp. With this amazing speaker who I've followed and read lots of since. And he said, look, loads of people, like with me, ask me all the time, what is my purpose in life? And he started his talk by saying, by the end of this talk, I'm going to have answered that question for all of you. And you can imagine thousands of people, everyone's eyes are like, what? You're going to answer every one of our purposes in the next 30 minutes or whatever it was. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. He was going to set up some sort of booth and take everyone with 10 seconds and just give them something to do forevermore. But what he did actually is take us to this very verse. He said, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do whether you become a hairdresser or an engineer, whether you're a stay-at-home parent, whether you're an academic, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Now, in one sense, everyone went, oh, okay, he's the clever one he's found a way around the question. But in another sense, he absolutely nailed it. Because while God does have specific things for each of us, while he does have people that he wants us to reach, places that he wants us to go, the most important thing of all is that whatever we do, We give glory to God by the way that we live. And that all starts by getting our outfit right, putting on the right clothing, letting that be on display to the world, so that whatever we do, wherever we go, whatever our job is or isn't, wherever we live or don't live, people get to see the goodness of God through the clothing that we have chosen to wear. So whatever you do, wherever you work, Wherever you go on to work, wherever you go on to live, live your life in this kind of clothing. Do it all that God might be glorified in you. Glorify him and the things in front of you today and he'll lead you to the specifics that he's got for you tomorrow. What does God want for your life? He wants you, whatever you do in word or deed, to do it all to his glory and specifics will all fall into place.